Off top, in the 17th century, the Catholic Church determined that beavers and capybara are fish in order to allow certain people to comply with Lent. Play music! This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. I'm here with the great Charles McDonald and, of course, the snack himself. Charlie Kravitz. We're going to get into a bunch of draft stuff. Honestly, through the course of this offseason, this draft is particularly interesting. I've been actually grinding a lot of tape on my iPad. We're going to do a lot of draft talk. We'll do other sports stuff, basketball and stuff throughout the season. But this year is going to be a heavy draft year, I think, because this draft Mm -hmm. is really important. It's really stressing me out. I've been watching the corners lately, and it gives me, like, cold sweats. Coop. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, Coop, don't give me no cold sweats. Coop, give me a warm (laughs) feeling. Shout out, Coop. White Coop. Anyway, do you know that uh, Rafael Nadal looks like a capybara? <laughs> <laughs> like the dead ringer for one. Why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Because now, now I'm googling. Oh, he does. On. It's it popped into <laughs> my does. head as soon as it happened. It was like, yes, <laughs> it does look like it. How do you know this? What is this? There's a lot of there's a lot of threads. Uh, Every time he does something, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> big <laughs> rodents. <Damn. sighs> All right, let's talk about football uh, right, let's and just... the NFL draft, Charlie. Okay. So, Charles, we're going to talk yes. quarterbacks today, and this is an incredibly strong at the top, but also a pretty deep quarterback draft of prospects who do things in a lot of different ways. So looking at your most recent mock draft, which you do with fellow friend of the show, Nate Tice. And That's right. I think it was Tice's pick, but in your most recent mock draft, you have Drake May going number one to the Bears. That seems more about the prospect eval and the fit with the Bears than it is about the probability of who goes number one. The betting markets have made it pretty clear that they think that Caleb Williams will be the first selection in the draft. Can you explain why you guys came to the conclusion that Drake May could be the better choice for the Chicago Bears? It's tough. I know for Nate, he's been Drake May quarterback one hive. I think basically since like the start of last season. So this is a, a long-standing take of his. Me, I'm I I, could, I like flip a coin day to day. I can't really decide uh, who I think is better between Caleb or Drake. And to me, I don't think really think that either one would be a bad choice for the Bears. I know that there's a lot of bad. I think there's a lot of like bad name association with Drake May because the last time the Bears picked a yeah. quarterback who wore number ten from USC. It didn't quite work out uh, to the point where people got fired and they had to make this trade for Justin Fields, which has like kind of worked out, but probably not to the point where you would pass on a player like Caleb Williams if you're in the event where you you hold the, the number one overall pick uh, like they do. But for Drake May, uh, I think for him it's just – first of all, like neither of these guys are really playing in an offense that's going to get them prepared day one for the NFL, uh, which is – probably on brand with what you're seeing from prospects recently and guys have still gotten off to good starts with it uh, or, you know, despite that. So I think when you look at Drake May, he's got the size, he's got the accuracy, he's got the arm strength. Uh, he's got some, some weird creativity to his game <laughs> where yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's the best way yeah. to, to, to put it where he's, he's got a lot of like, no, 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 no. Yes. Plays where it looks like it's about to be a disaster and he pulls it off. But I think to me that that just goes back to, how physically gifted this guy is. He and Caleb are, to me, are two of uh, probably t- the two most physically gifted passers in the class. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really think you can go wrong either way. Maybe uh, 
Drake May is a cleaner fit in Shane Waldron's offense because, you know, Geno Smith in, in Seattle, he was doing a lot of, you know, dropbacks, play action, kind of real quarterback stuff. But not even, you know, even in, in that respect, Drake May doesn't have a whole lot of uh, experience with that. I think maybe it's just a, a floor thing versus where Caleb, maybe you're, you're guessing a little bit more on what his floor looks like because he's a, he's a good deal smaller than uh, Drake. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the the size is the thing that stands out because he's listed at six four, right? To Caleb's six yeah. one listed height. So I think that would scare people off. And the comp that comes to mind for Drake May uh, that I've heard a bunch of is Herbert and Andrew Luck, which are impressive uh, comps with like really good athletes, yeah. but stupid strong arms. I have a hard time understanding how to differentiate between these players, and it sounds like you are too because of part of it is the offenses that they operate in and the competition that they're playing against. It's not as clear. It's clear that both of them are really good, but it's not as clear uh, how good. I know the big thing, and I started watching the college tape on the quarterbacks just recently. The big thing about Caleb Williams floating around was could he operate within an offense? And I think it's clear that he can, the problem is yeah. that particular offense would not protect him. <laughs> there was lots of issues. So I, I get why when we see, like, clips of him playing, it's like, hey, he never looks comfortable. Yeah, you wouldn't be either if you were playing in that situation. Yeah, and it's not like you want to you do the blame game thing because I think the blame game when it comes to draft season is, like, one of the most boring things. Like, oh, you know, all these other plays were a fault. But, right. like, the the biggest thing to me – when you look at what the Pac-12 ultimately became this year and how USC fared against the, they just got their butts kicked like up front all the damn time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, for Caleb, you can look at it one way. There's a lot of tape of him doing like off schedule stuff because uh, they didn't have a prayer to, to block guys up front, especially when they played the more physical teams uh, like Oregon really, really gave them the blues up front. Uh, and then you have, you know, even Washington gave them trouble at times. So, uh, Notre Dame really, really gave him the business. So I don't, I don't uh, want to play the blame I, game. Doing Ellis at Utah. I don't want yeah. to play the don't play blame the game. I'm just rece re repeating a sentence that I heard you say. I don't want to play the blame game, but USC got their butts kicked up front all season long, just to be clear. Well, it's worth noting because this yeah. was the season he played more out of structure than his first two seasons in college football, like definitively more, statistically more. Oh, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not uh, disagreeing with it. I'm just pointing out that he just put a comma between two completely contradictory <laughs> statements and act like we wasn't going to hear it. Isn't that I don't want to play the blame game. That's sort of the game. mission statement of this, of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, they, but the their season. guard, center, tackle on both sides stank. With all, with all due respect, yeah. as long as you add yeah. it with all due respect, the or, water, or you're you say, good. Or you say, I really like this guy. I really love the USC offensive and defensive line. However, <laughs> them boys can't stay in front of nobody. The unmitigated no gall of USC's offensive line. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, so it's, it's hard to differentiate. I guess what surprises me, and this is a, a larger conversation, there's two kind of big picture thoughts that I have after watching these quarterbacks. And one of my kind of soft launch in our uh, in the green room before we started the show is like is this kind of the first like Mahomes generation of quarterbacks whereas obviously there were always quarterbacks who were doing some of the like off schedule odd arm angles like Drake May threw a left-handed touchdown pass obviously th there were quarterbacks before Patrick Mahomes doing this but it feels like all those quarterbacks were people who we would say uh, coaches at lower levels would say, don't do any of this stuff. It feels like because of Patrick Mahomes in the last six years, I guess, 
we are getting quarterbacks who were capable of doing this, but also being encouraged or at least allowed to do that. Is, do you think that's fair or am I reaching there, Charles? No, I, I think that's fair. And I also think that that's kind of a style of play that we've become drawn to over the past few years. I mean, I don't know like how you guys rank the quarterbacks at the top of the NFL, but if I had to just lift off the top three in my head, I would go Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and all three of them do that kind of stuff. And I think when uh, when you see like that, I don't know if reckless is the right word, but like kind of out-of-pocket style of play start to gravitate and become more of the norm at the front, I think that that's probably just going to be what the guys who are coming up and playing this game are going to try to emulate. So I, I do think it's it's partly the Mahomes situation where guys have seen him play. They want to try to emulate what, they, what he can do. But also, like, these guys are physically gifted enough to pull it off, too. Yeah, and I think that's where, that's where Charlie and I had a bit of a disagreement because I think Charlie was pushing the idea that we haven't had quarterbacks this athletic. And I guess I was saying, like, no, what I'm talking about is the same sort of stuff that we saw Matt Stafford do, same sort of stuff we, we've seen Steve Young do. Like, we've seen yeah. it around the league, but we haven't seen it take over the league in the way that Mahomes it. So I, I guess I would argue that it's not the athleticism that's risen. It's just that Mahomes wins all the Super Bowls, and now this is viewed as, like, a, yeah. almost a proper way to play quarterback when in the past it's like hey you want to go out there and do this weird stuff like Aaron Rodgers maybe we'll let you do it but you don't become dominant it's not something that that yeah. is widely accepted but now it feels like it's a part of it now in a yeah. way that it never did before my thought is that they're just looking for like quarterbacks with this elasticity and the ability to throw from different spots and like yeah. arm the ball at different angles and be athletic in different ways like of course it's big strong fast goes back to John Elway Steve Young yeah. but being able to throw like a shortstop planted on your right foot running to your left is something that seems very in this more modern generation, which actually brings me to a follow-up question because I want to simplify it a tiny bit on this. Okay. On the Drake May versus Caleb stuff, a lot of people with the Mahomes conversation, that's where Caleb, just by the way right. he plays as a prospect. Is a part of this going to come back, come down to the fact that who's the prospect they're more scared to pass on? And is that Caleb? Well, yeah, that, honestly, that's how I've been thinking about it in my head. Like, because if I – some of the throws that Caleb makes, man, I, I don't – I think it was versus Washington where he gets flushed from the pocket, he's rolling out right, and then just like on a dime just snaps his whole body and throws a bullet 50 yards across the field into Stupid. the front pylon of the end zone for a touchdown. And to me, that's the throw where I'm like, if this hits in the NFL, I would feel so dumb for not taking it because I've seen the top 1% plays – I mean, even when we go back to Patrick Mahomes and his, him when he was coming out of Texas Tech, he was a very polarizing prospect. Mm -hmm. Like, there were some people who didn't think that he would work out at all. Some people who thought he should be the number one pick, but I mean, he was he was a ten pick overall, so there was no real consensus on what he was going to be. But now that we've seen it, and we've seen Josh Allen go from whatever that was at Wyoming to the quarterback that he's come to now, we've seen Lamar Jackson win two MVPs. Now you're starting to feel like, well, if I have a chance to pick a guy who can move like that, make those top 1% plays like that, and I pass on him. And I know Drake May, he can do some of that stuff too, but I don't think the arm talent is quite where Caleb's is because Caleb's got that rare stuff that it, it just kind of scares you if you're a defensive coordinator trying to figure out the spots that he can put the ball to on a dime all across the field. That That's the kind of talent where I kind of expect him to go number one because we've watched Mahomes, we've watched these other guys, and to me, he's kind of the closest to what the top of the sport is looking right now in terms of just overall potential. I, I like the, the micro conversation between these two guys, and I appreciate that 
it, it just like illuminates what I feel like is a macro trend because you would never pass on a six five or six four two hundred thirty pound quarterback with an arm the way that Drake May has it. Like that's I think that speaks to the Mahomesing of the NFL and it speaks to the value of big play athleticism in these outer structure plays. They had never been this important in draft season before. That was like it wasn't a negative, but it was all it was also it was always thought of as a sideshow. And we would never pass on a six four quarterback for a guy who's six one because he does some real cool shit. And it's an it's a new way to look at football and it's it seems like it's taken over and it seems like it's like it makes sense to me. It's more effective or it's it's a more rare thing to come across and more impactful on the game if you can still challenge every corner of the field, no matter what position your body is or no matter where you are in the field. It makes your makes the job of a coach a lot easier. Right. And I, I think it goes back to kind of like which came first, like the athleticism or guys playing like this. Right. I, I think if, if you can play, if you have the physical capabilities to play like this, because I think there have been guys in the past who who could have played like this but just didn't because – Patrick Mahomes wasn't at the top of the sport, maybe, and it was just a different time. But if you are physically capable of doing some of these things, why wouldn't you try to play like that? Because that seems to be the way to, to kind of break the field and, and uh, give defenses headaches that can flip games in your favor. So I'm, I'm really excited to see both. I will probably not decide on who's quarterback one until like the day of the draft, but I think both of them are, are more than qualified to go at that spot. You're just scared to say that it's Drake May because you believe it. Because you're more scared of no, Caleb, I, right? That's what it comes down to. It kind of feels like you want to say Drake May, but but you're scared. No, of I Caleb. don't. I'm more inclined to say. I'm more inclined to say I Caleb. Say Caleb, Caleb then. Scared. Don't get scared. Scared to not say Drake May. Also, <laughs> so but Jaden Daniels doesn't enter this conversation. Well, that's at what, all. We, that's yeah. what we're getting to because right. this is the this is the second part of this. Is I'm uh, let's move on to our second question, which I'm gonna I'm going to assume in our hypothetical world we're now on draft day. Caleb Williams has gone number one to Chicago. Commanders are on the clock. All we have heard out of the Commanders camp so far is first they're enamored with Caleb Williams. You know, they hired Cliff Kingsbury. There's the rumors that they wanted to trade up. There's the coward stuff, um, et cetera, et cetera, with Caleb's dad. But then there's also been a trickle, just a, a little trickle of Jaden Daniels over Drake made of the Commanders in a lot of mock, mock drafts. Assuming that Caleb goes number one, do you think – Drake May is a clear number two pick for the commanders, or do you think they'll actually zag and go for a Jaden Daniels type prospect? Oh, man, if I was watching, I would just take whoever Chicago doesn't take, and that would be my guy. I, I don't, in terms of like the Drake May or, or Caleb Williams situation, uh, Jaden Daniels, I just, I, 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 I'm worried for him as far as like what playing in the NFL looks like for Jaden Daniels because he plays he plays like he's like 250 pounds, like he's closer to like 190, you know? I mean, I think one of the underrated Jalen, Jaden Daniels things is, you know, he's put on about 40 pounds throughout his, his whole collegiate career. And it's gotten him to, you know, maybe a 200 pound quarterback by the time that the NFL combine rolls around, which we know is not all that enticing given his frame. It's not like he's a shorter guy where it's packed on. He's, he's, you know, six, three, six, four. And he's got that, that you know 190 pound frame on him so when he's out there and he's he's playing like like it's jack <laughs> dude like he's in an old jack <laughs> get, trying to run over defensive tackles trying to run oh, over linebackers God. that's the stuff that gets me worried about him I, I do think as far as like his nfl future goes I, I think he's a high floor guy because he can run the ball and he's going to be able to move the ball with his legs 
He's got like some Jalen Hurts in him where he can run and throw a deep pass and you can build an offense around that. But I do worry about like some of the stuff that's in between that, you know, quick game, uh, being able to hit the intermediate portions of the field because he was blessed with uh, Malik Neighbors, who has potential to be a top five pick. Some people are saying he might be better than Marvin. I'm not one of those people, but the discussion being had. And also Brian Thomas Jr., who is also projected first round pick uh, as well. So. I uh, I think he's he's obviously had a lot more help than the other guys at the top, but I think within his own st- package yeah. and style of play, there are some things to be alarmed with. One question, Dominique: When you were coming out of high school, how much did you weigh? Uh, coming out of high school, when you signed with Maryland, like one fifty three. In Daniels was one fifty seven when he showed up on Arizona <laughs> State's campus. Yeah, uh, I probably was yeah about that. That's ridiculous. And he's was what six three. He was, he was listed six three one fifty seven on his freshman year card on the Arizona State website. <laughs> That's tough. That is tough. I mean, you bumped him to one sixty. Nah, you can't lie. You gotta be honest. Uh, the the question for who they select, I think, is obviously should be Drake May. I mean, the Cliff Kingsbury edition. He is possibly the best quarterback evaluator we have in modern football because he's gotten close to a lot of really good quarterbacks. I don't know that he's made any of them better or can make an offense that is suited for them, but he sure knows what a good quarterback looks like. So I suspect that he will. And you think about the, I guess, what's the best version of the offense? Yeah, I don't know if you have to go with the Cardinals because it's the only NFL version of the offense. There was a super athlete in the backfield who was also kind of undersized. I'm not sure that Cliff Kingsbury will walk away from that experiment thinking, let me do this again. Obviously, uh, Jaden Daniels is a different type of undersized, but he is also a super athlete. I, I, I think when you see the arm strength of Drake May and the playmaking ability of Drake May combined with the size of him, you can't pass up on him. Yeah, I, no, that's how I feel. I think as far as, like, Jaden, he throws a great deep ball, but as far as, like, the arm strength when it comes to, like, driving it into tight windows, I don't know mm. if he's quite I, – I, I know he's not up to par with Caleb on that, and I don't think he's up to, to where Drake is either. So, with him, if you can it, – it, it would just take, like, a rewiring in his brain, I feel like, for him to be as good as he needs to be. Uh, but I don't really see why, why Jalen why, – why Jaden Daniels couldn't end up like a Jalen Hurts level quarterback if all things work out and he doesn't get hurt where, Hey, is this the most perfect quarterback you've ever seen? No, but we can run the ball. We can throw a deep shot. That's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's enough you, to fill in the rest. Yeah, it's them. enough to build a really effective offense around. Like I think you're better off being great at a couple of things than being good at a bunch of things. Cause at least you can threaten them, especially if the one of the things that you're great at is uh, attacking deep down the field, you'll scare the of plenty of offenses, which should make it easier to um, impact the game underneath. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com 
slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So if we're talking, if yeah. we're talking Jaden Daniels and the Patriots have the third pick, and we're now assuming that um, Caleb and Drake are off the board, this to me feels like it could be the pivot point. Because, yes, of course the Patriots need a quarterback. Twelve teams in this draft definitively need a quarterback. Maybe more if you want to talk about old quarterbacks who you might want to draft their replacement, but at least 12 teams are actively looking for quarterbacks in the first round. We know that the Patriots roster is really bereft of talent on the offensive line and the offensive side of the ball, and it might be irresponsible to just <laughs> draft a quarterback who takes massive hits and put him out there. Um, but they also have McCorkle Jones and uh, Bailey Zappi back there, so they need something. Um, do you think this is – I say, do they have Mac Jones? Uh, maybe. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> but do you think that this is where someone is able to trade up into the top three and get a quarterback, or is this somewhere where the Patriots are going to make the pick? And if someone is going to trade up, who do you think should? Yeah, they, they, they should trade. Uh, they're, they're just too far away, especially on offense. Uh, unless, you're gonna, unless you can get your hands on Drake or Caleb where the commanders decide that Marvin Harrison Jr. is what they need and they're going to run it back with Sam Howell for some godforsaken reason, then – then you stay at three. But if those two are off the board, I think you trade down, see if someone wants to come up for Marvin, see if someone wants to come up for Jaden Daniels, because I don't really see the point of putting Jaden Daniels in that offense as it's constructed right now. Like they're, they're, they don't have a whole lot of speed. They don't have a whole lot of blocking. They're having a, you know, a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach. I think this is a good chance to kind of trade down and, and reassess or, or start to assess what you have going on with, uh, with the new regime. As far as teams trading up, I, I've seen a lot of people say the Falcons could be a team that moves to three. I know the Arthur Blank has come out and said they won't be aggressive at quarterback, which is – I guess we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. <laughs> I don't <laughs> – Your boys. <laughs> oh, man. My boys, yeah, yeah. Because Well, here's, here's the tough part, right? Because I think if you're the Falcons at eight, this will be a great draft to do what the Panthers did last year. Try to trip to number one, see if you can strike on the quarterback pick. But the problem is the two teams at the top also need quarterbacks. So, like, if you're if you're running the commanders, obviously you need a quarterback. How much would it cost for you to move off of that number two pick? Yeah, I mean, I think it's you're looking at Trey Lance numbers. We're looking at um, maybe even more. Yeah, at least as a starting point. So, yeah, that's something you move off of if Jaden Daniels is your choice. If you think that Marvin Harrison is the type of player that's not only a number one receiver but, like, an offense changer, then that's a different conversation because I think there are some players that are special enough to that you can lift a, a otherwise mediocre offense to – being really good with that player. I'm not sure that that's the Patriots, though. They're going to need a little more talent right. than just Marvin in that situation. But I do think he is the type of player that you can build around. I think moving back is the best thing the Patriots could do. And like you mentioned, the next closest thing, I guess Tennessee could want a quarterback. They might try to run it back with Levitz, but uh, – I think the Giants. 
Oh, yeah, the Giants. Oh, yeah, six. The Giants has six. So the Giants, the stuck. Titans, the Falcons are the next three teams that I think would be serious about making a move up. And all of them, the Falcons, the reason why the Falcons keeps coming up is because people feel like the Falcons are a team that has an improved defense and talent on offense and what is really holding the, the and dreaded they, and quarter. they keep coming up because of Desmond Ritter and they didn't, and yeah. they didn't trade for Lamar. <laughs> no, no, no. I, obviously. <laughs> but I'm saying that if uh, there's no other team of these other, these yeah. three teams that we're talking about that feels like they're close. It like feels like you can convince yourself if you're a Falcons fan. Like, man, we the right guy in here. We be our, oh, we have a Falcons fan here. Arth- Why am I? Arth- Arthur Smith is gone. We're <laughs> gonna we'll give the ball to Bijan. We'll Why? throw the ball to Kyle uh, Pitts and Drake London. Why am I talking about it? Like I don't. He's actually right itching here. himself now. You know. you turned him into, into like a crackhead <laughs> yeah, by yeah. just talking about He's getting kidding. the ball to Drake, Drake London. <laughs> Got him with them touchdowns. <laughs> so as a Falcons fan and a very smart football person, you want this to happen or nah? Not for Jaden, but like if they can convince the commanders to do something or oh, Chicago decides to do So not for Jaden. It's yeah. only for those. Two. Not for Jaden. Okay, you're out your mind if you think somebody passing on those other two guys that we just comped to right. Andrew Luck well, and what, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jaden's your only hope. If you can't get itchy for Jaden, then you're not going to get itchy. Justin, Justin Fields, where you at, buddy? Uh, yeah. Let's score some touchdowns. Yeah, that's, that's what you're going to have to go. You have to do that Justin Fields trade. Well, do you want to talk about trading for quarterbacks? Because this is one of the, the yeah. back-end things where that's pretty interesting because there's been a really checkered history of trading for quarterbacks at the top of the draft. There's been a much higher success rate in the middle of the first round where you give up, whether it's another first-round pick or a second and third or a second and fourth, guys, when you can move up for the job. I mean, these are the home runs when you move up for Josh Allen, when you move up for Lamar Jackson when you move up for Patrick Mahomes, even Deshaun Watson and Jordan Love. But those are those are those are the outliers. Yeah. But still, it's been much more checkered going to the top for Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Bryce Young, Trey Lance. Like, does that seem like a realistic path to success if you make the cabin so or the the cabinet so bare that when you bring the guy in, unless it's someone who you view like Caleb Williams, is it even worth it at that point? Ooh, that's tough because I, I think so much of it is around is about like the surrounding pieces and surrounding talent. Because even like the the Lamar trade is different, right? Yeah. Because they traded up to thirty two. Mm-hmm. It's not that doesn't take all that much to get up to the bottom of the first round, and like they already had. I think Marshall Yonde was still playing at a pretty high mm-hmm. level when Lamar first got there too. They Ronnie Stanley that was before all the injuries happened, so they had an infrastructure in place for that to to really work out in a way that's been fun for Lamar, fun for Baltimore, fun for the league. But I think it just matters so much about what you already have on roster. Like the, the Trey Lance trade in theory, it made a ton of sense, right? To go up there and try and get someone who's a bit higher upside than Jimmy Garoppolo at the time. Someone who's got legit four or five speed, can throw the ball over a mountain, all that type of stuff. But uh, unfortunately it didn't work out for them and they got lucky enough that it didn't, quite matter all that much that it hasn't worked out for them yet uh maybe they are really being held back by brock purdy but as one of the only teams to get to like multiple nfc championship games multiple super bowls it's hard to say that that's really been like a, a total total setback yeah. for them so uh, i mean i don't think it's hard to it's say tough. I, I get you, i get what you're saying that they still managed to have success but they had success in spite of it was definitely a yeah. setback and the price is going to come due pretty soon here when they have to pay uh they have to pay 
Purdy and they don't have first round rookies to supplement some of those spots. So maybe they start to fall off. Right. Maybe they don't actually pay for this Lance trade until the coming years. But either way, I get you. At the time, none of us thought it was as ridiculous a bad trade as it turned out to be because we're like, man, you're going to win a Super Bowl if you put uh, someone, a dual threat in this Shanahan level offense. But I think what we found from this minor research study is it's a bad idea at the top of the draft. Like, that just feels yes. like the risk is too high. And we all know how hard it is to hit on a quarterback at the top of the draft. If you're going to trade less, the back of the draft, you could even argue that those players are better, so you trade more for those spots. But it just doesn't seem to make sense to trade yeah. at the top of the draft unless – I don't know if there's an unless because it feels like Caleb and Drake are different, right? right. Like, we, we are not – under the illusion that they are as highly valued as other quarterbacks in, yeah. this, in this situation, right? And so there have been 31 of these quarterback trades in the first round, and it seems like five of them have been successful, the five that I li- four I listed plus the Joe Flacco trade, and then the one at the top of the draft that seems like it could have you could, you could view as a success is the Michael Vick trade where they ended up trading – Tough, tough scene at the end of trading yeah. Drew Brees and LaDainian Tomlinson for Michael Vick. But, so it's like, <laughs> worth it. Um, <laughs> Hall of Famers, beat it. We don't need you. But so like, if that and the RG3 one are probably the two most successful ones. So it's just like the, the track record's just not there with the research unless you evaluate this guy as being so close. And I think Vick was close to that like I as think- a prospect, unless it's someone that level prospect. Oh, Vick was different, though, because yeah. Vick, Vick was so um, so early yeah. that it was still people who were like, no, you don't play that way. And so he could be – the thing is, for it to work out, you have to have someone who is is polarizing in the way that he's being evaluated. You have to have – because no one's moving off of a quarterback. Chances are, if you have a good quarterback, you're not going to have the number one pick unless there's some sort of trade situation like we had this year, and they also don't have a good quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you're number one pick, and there's someone this good – or projected to be this good, there is no, there's nothing out there that can convince somebody to come up off of that. They cut Peyton Manning, right, to draft Andrew <laughs> Luck, exactly. and he threw like 55 <laughs> touchdowns 18 Ex- months later. <laughs> exactly, that's the point. And so, like, it feels like a little bit of a. The honest answer is, I wouldn't be a member of any club that would have me. It's like if I call you and I'm like, hey, you want to trade for that pick? And they're like, sure. Then maybe I don't want this quarterback. You know, do you get the point that I make? Because yeah. no one's trading the Caleb yeah. Williams pick. It's just not happening. Yeah, and I, I also think part of the trading up things where where we see teams fail, I think the Panthers are a perfect example. It's an extreme example, but a perfect one. Some of these teams are not honest with themselves about how close they actually are mm-hmm. to getting to the top of the draft. Like the Panthers, they were picking ninth last year. It's not like they were some team like down in the 20s. Like I, like I remember when the Falcons traded for Julio Jones, they went from like 26 to like six. But they instantly became like supercharged on offense. Right. It's going from ninth to the first pick, and what you have to gut, you have to gut a roster that won like six or seven games to get to number one. I don't, I don't really see how that was a scenario where they felt like they were close enough that they were going to oh. add Bryce Young and this was going to help them win the NFC South. I think that's where teams struggle. The only too. time you should do something like that is if LeBron's in the draft. Like, if there's somebody, and no one thought that about Bryce Young. Caleb Williams, people are saying that, but no one thought that about Bryce. Where it's like, all right, we put this guy on the roster. He's going to be 
one of the guys that if he's on your team, you have a chance. Like Josh Allen, as that roster fell apart, that team was still damn good because Josh was there. As the um, Chiefs roster is going through ebbs and flows, Patrick Mahomes has kept them competitive. The same with the Ravens. They're new names in, new names out. They're always in it because if you find out or if you sincerely believe that you have a guy, but I guess to be fair to all of these guys is they, they weren't in situations and and we didn't know when they yeah, came out but yeah, we didn't know and I, i'm presenting it as if they showed up and got good no the chiefs were good before he got there the ravens were good before lamar got there the bills if i'm not mistaken made the playoffs the year before they went and got a josh allen right or was it two years before anyway they they two years before the entire yeah, yeah anyway these are not the Panthers. <laughs> and so I, I think that I've talked myself out of any of trading up for any player <laughs> at this point, because or at least to the top of the draft, because it seems like it's just it's just not worth it in this game. And I use LeBron as an yeah. example because, yes, it's worth it in basketball when it's five people and you play both sides. In football, I kind of feel like you're you are possibly ruining the quarterback's chances and also your chances by doing it. If you're a, a trash franchise, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting carried away, but I. I don't like the idea of trading up to the top of the draft for a quarterback. No, I do, I do think it's interesting that the like three of the best quarterbacks in the league, or probably the three best quarterbacks in the league right now, are probably three of the most polarizing draft evaluations <laughs> that we've had in like this century, or yeah. you, you know, you know, in the past decade or so of football. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. To just saying all you guys are disagreeing on someone got a big arm, he can run fast. I'm gonna pull the trigger and go for it. We're going back to like 1980s scouting. In a way, I feel <laughs> this like. is why I love Anthony take like, Richardson so much. <laughs> yeah, the tallest, biggest, fastest guy on the field who can throw the ball 90 miles an hour. We're going to draft him and figure the rest out. Joe later. Milton's going first overall somehow. Oh, gosh, what a terrible oh. idea that would be. Let, let, let's, yeah, let's I'm just not kidding. go crazy. <laughs> Actually, Bazooka Joe, I want to see throughout the combine. Yeah, just yeah, he could just be like a traveling uh. combine. <laughs> just go, go to cities where guys like Charlie would just fawn over him throwing the ball 90 yards off his knees. Oh, yeah. I, 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 if he does the Zach Wilson throw where he rolls oh. left and throws it real far, I'm in. Gosh, yeah. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes has brought us a lot of more exciting quarterbacks, but Patrick Mahomes has gotten some front offices in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like the Jets are namely like, Oof. oh, see, he throws like Patrick Mahomes. Okay, put him out there and see what happens. By the way, as we'll move on to the next part, but the Panthers trade would have looked so different if they had just drafted C.J. Stroud. It's worth noting, like <sighs> – yeah. yeah. How good do you think CJ would have been there, though? Cause it's, or I guess that's a, that's a chicken and egg conversation. Yeah, it's like Tank Dell and uh, Nico Collins are good. And I mean, Laramie Tunsil is an offensive lineman that is a quality offensive lineman. You can't name anybody on the Panthers line that is anywhere close to, to uh, LT. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I, a top six quarterback who's 22, who yeah. like. Ray would have looked a lot smarter. It would it would look like more functional. I don't I don't think you would have had like the stats success, but you would watch it and be like, okay, we found our guy. You know, we can and at least you didn't trade. You probably wouldn't be trading Caleb Williams, which is the other part of it. Yeah, that's that the real. That's the real killer right now is that they traded. Oh yeah, and they knew it too. Like we all, I remember last year before the draft, we all were sitting around like, hey, wait till next year. It's Caleb, and they was like, all right, let's trade up and get this guy. He's small. We like them. <laughs> oh, man. That was such a bad trade. And the more context we add to it, the worse it gets.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So, yeah. I want to go on to the second tier of QBs who, there seems to be three of these guys, and they could go in the second round, they could go fringe first round, they could end up in the top 12, some people are saying. It's J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., They've all had vastly different evaluations depending on the points of the season and the people evaluating them. Dane Brugler is convinced that J.J. McCarthy is going in the top 12. How do you rank that group? Uh, I, McCarthy's first just because I think he it's the tools plus the age. I get a little concerned with him because Michigan didn't ask him to yeah. do a whole lot. He didn't need to do a whole lot, obviously, for them to win a, you know, go undefeated and win a national championship, but... I, I just I I am watching his games. I I'm a little confused at like where this first round hype is coming from because what did he do to like make it oh like oh wow like we, we gotta get our hands on this guy. Like I can I can see how you get there on Jaden Daniels, even though I may not be like as high on him at the top of the draft, but JJ McCarthy's a little bit confusing to me. Bo Nix, look, man, I'm a Georgia fan. I'm so biased against Bo Nix. Like because <laughs> I had I had my friends to be like, yo, Bo Nix, he might be a real quarterback prospect. I was like, dude, I watched this guy play for three years at Auburn and as a nepotism freshman starter got basically pushed out of there because he wasn't playing good enough. All right, so let's not do the Bo Nix thing. I think, you know, he's probably closer to like like that Taylor Heineke level starter where it's a spot starter that you can play every once in a while. Maybe it doesn't ruin your season, but at the same time, you probably know you need a little bit more. And, and Panics, I think, is interesting too because – um, I think he's got the arm strength. He's got the deep ball, but 24 with three season-ending injuries in college is a lot, and you played with three guys, a wide receiver, who can get drafted in the top 100. I, I don't really know. And also with him, he's like the opposite in terms of where the game has trended at quarterback in terms of like mobility, being able to do creative stuff with his legs, being able to run. He's not He's not really that guy, so I don't really know how to slot him, even though I do like the arm strength. So I think all those guys are like – quality day two prospects but it does seem like McCarthy's gonna go you know much higher than I would I would you know feel comfortable taking him Hennix is uh left witchy in evaluation it's uh arm strength yeah. but unathletic black quarterback yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so it's so few of them but he falls into that category where he is gonna he's gonna get some uh defenses in spy just just because you never know he might run. Yeah, none of those other quarterbacks do much for me. I think the Penix one is the one that's most interesting to me because I've seen him consistently throw, make NFL throws. The receiver thing, we don't like to take credit away or blame anybody because we are good upstanding citizens on this program and 
uh, on all Charles McDonald products. But I think, yeah, that, that doesn't bother me as much. If the balls are accurate, no matter how open they are, the balls are accurate. And so I, I, I appreciate that. And some of the throws that he made in the playoffs really got my attention. And those weren't anomalies. The injuries are concerning, but I don't know. I He's the one. I guess I would be – I'd rather – cross my fingers about injuries than cross my fingers about uh, creating some consistency out of players that haven't been consistent. Because the Bo Nix thing is like, you could put together a highlight tape of Bo Nix that convince you that, oh, he going to take over the league. And I guess because he is following in Herbert's footsteps, people could convince themselves like Herbert wasn't that great in college at Oregon. And now he's obviously something special in the NFL. But that inconsistency is eh, doesn't that makes me a lot more uncomfortable than I feel about uh, Penix. Yeah, and you know, uh, Bo Nix isn't going back to Herbert. He's not six five, two forty with a bazooka right. for right arm. So you're not going to get the benefit of that as much as far as I think like a, a development curve. I think is considered with him. I think he's fine though. Like he's he's fine. Like if I if I need to add someone to a quarterback room, then. You know, I don't, I don't feel terrible about burning a day three or you know, a third round pick to do something like that, or maybe even a late second. Uh, kind of like how the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. Maybe that's where you go, Bo Nix. But it seemed like during the season he was really seen as a first round guy. But as you know, he he, he played more. <laughs> you kind of got to see, <laughs> got to see like how limited he is. Like he's a very good college football, uh, college football quarterback. Uh, obviously, he had a ton of success with Oregon, much more than he had with Auburn. But at the end of the day, like you, you can kind of see the spots where maybe Auburn wanted to see where they could get a little bit more or why he's not regarded with that, that top class. And uh, Yeah, I, I think he's more of a day two guy. I think at some point, uh, we can wrap it up after this, but I, I don't expect you to give me any like opinion on this, but I think at some point we are going to get to the, the like soft skills of these quarterbacks. Uh, and like personality and leadership quality. And that's always a touchy place to go. And intelligence is always a touchy place to go because none of us really have an understanding, but we get a gist based on like interviews and a gist based on what's being said about them. I do find that often that feels like people grab onto those when they want to explain away something that they they can't explain away with the tape, but it does matter. It's impossible to fully assess, but it does matter. And I feel that tide coming for a couple of the other top quarterbacks. Yeah, that's something that I, when I first started, I used to feel very confident as this. I knew these guys and I could just, oh, he's got the intangibles. But then, I don't know, the longer that I've been doing this, like, I don't know what these guys are made up of at all. I, look, I'm not... I'm not like a reporter like Adam Schefter, so I'm not, you know, talking to a whole bunch of people. Hey, what is Michael Penix's leadership skills like? I'm not in the draft room meeting. So I think that, that can be hard, even though it is important. And, you know, what I find that to me that that kind of tickles me a little bit is when you see like, uh, you know, guys who are GMs talking about who are GMs and in the media and talking about like old picks or scouts who talk about old picks like, oh, you know, I, I kind of got the evaluation right, but he didn't have the mental makeup. And, you know, that's, that's a blame game that I can kind of do it myself <laughs> in two years when Caleb Williams is a bust and backing up, you know, Bailey Zappi or something. There we go. He wanted to be a star too much. <laughs> and that's why we got it wrong. He blew it, not us. That's right. Yeah, it's because he painted his fingernails. <laughs> yeah, he cried that, that one time. <laughs> but if he's a success, we're going to go back on that cry and say, because he wanted it more than anybody else. Yeah. Breaking barriers, first quarterback who's good with the uh, painted fingernails. Caleb there we Williams, go. Six know? years from now, all the quarterbacks' fingers are going to be painted.
<laughs> the Caleb Williams. And that's back. fine. Oh, yeah. No judgment, obviously. We're young enough to not be offended by that. I can't wait for 20 years from now, whatever the kids are going to be doing. I can't wait to be doing the Dominique Foxer show complaining about these kids getting it all wrong. Back in my day, kids painted their fingernails. These kids don't even do that anymore. You're going to be doing the show 20 years from now? Um, That was a really sad thought. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Me and Charlie, <laughs> okay. great two gray beards. Oh, oh man, talking. <laughs> <shit. laughs> All right, Death Row. That's why. That's why you don't got no ID out here trying to be funny. I know. I don't. Tomorrow's gonna be an adventure for me. I gotta get a plane, hotel, and combine credential without an ID. So. <laughs> um. Yo, I'm bringing I'm bringing my Super Bowl ID to be like, hey, I was at an NFL event two weeks ago. Is this good enough? It's got my it's got my face on. Good luck, man. Get through the airport, everything. Good luck to you, my brother. I, I know Thank you will you. figure it out. I've been through the Atlanta airport with no ID before. That's one of the places. This yeah. is a little little known fact. If you are ever in sports media, TSA got your back. They they will recognize you in a second and look out for you. That's a, that is my main well, demo. I've I've had two experiences where I've lost an ID on a work trip. The most recent one, obviously, was two weeks ago in Vegas. Honestly, it was faster to not have my ID than to wait in line and get through. <laughs> it took me like five minutes. The guy he looked at like my cards, then he looked at my Super Bowl ID. He was like, "Oh, you're good," yeah. and like scanned my bag and went oh, through. Yeah. The other time, I was leaving the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. And buddy, <laughs> it's a, it's a diff- they were it's asking a different me, demo at the TSA at Mobile. It's a bit of a different demo, okay. you know. Instead of the, you know, the younger guy yeah. at in Vegas who was like twenty five, didn't give a crap yeah. and just let me through. Then I had in, in Alabama, I had some like fifty five year old guy who took his job real seriously. Yeah. They pulled me into a back room and they're asking me like, you know, you know, what were you doing in 2014? I was like, bro, I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but I still got on. I feel like, you know, a good 30 minutes of questions. It's different experiences. Don't lose your ID in Alabama. <laughs> I don't think we can end on better words than that. Thank you, Charles McDonald, for joining us. You are the man, and we appreciate it. Uh, hope all your draft projections are true. Yeah, me too. So people get off my back about giving the Lions an F for last year's draft. Uh, oh, gosh, that didn't happen. Erase that. Erase that. That never happened. All right, Charlie Krabs, I appreciate you. Thanks to all the great producers, Megan, Serafina, Brian, Kevin, and Tez. And thank you, Paul Bill, and we're out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.